What's up, y'all? It's Zach with Living Corporate. And wow. Okay. Um, you know, a lot has happened in the time since we last um, came here on this podcast for Real Talk Tuesdays. You know, we drop these every Tuesday. And I like to stand by the fact that Living Corporate's content is evergreen right? Like there's content that we recorded back in 2019 that you could definitely play right now. And I mean, it's the very evergreen nature of the content that we create that empowered us to build our own AI technology to then turn our podcast library into an e-learning platform, right? Like and you can look in the show notes if you'd like to learn more about our products and services. And, you know, I'm, I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that. At the same time, I'm proud of the fact that Living Corporate, we try to honor what's happening in the world. I mean, when you think about the fact, like, yes, now we're an experience management company, right? Like, so we support external brand and internal employee engagement and operational effectiveness. Like we do both of these things and we're always prioritizing workplace fairness, but we didn't start there. We started as a singular podcast focused on centering and amplifying black voices at work. And then we quickly expanded to black and brown voices at work. And then we just expanded to historically marginalized voices at work. And we have a whole network of podcasts, but again, like the initial purpose and mission was to center and amplify people that were constantly pushed to the margins and I'm going to tell y'all the occupation of Palestine which has been happening since before I was born um, and has been historically documented for over 70 years Um, I recognize that for some it's really People use the term it's complex or it's hard or it's challenging. I'm going to say it has been deeply disturbing. Uh, the images that I've seen of men, women, and children in that region torn to pieces, um, children missing, kidnapped, people missing kidnapped, people people no longer alive people killed um, by missiles, by rockets uh, the, the, gruesome, the, the grotesque nature of it has been so deeply disturbing to me personally um, and and soul crushing And when you then learn more about the treatment of the Palestinian people paired with um, the uh, blatant anti-Semitism that um, Jews are facing across the world and have faced for centuries and are facing here as well as the Islamophobia um, that 
brown folks are facing here. I mean, just all of it, right? Like, and then the very need for people to seem to want to turn this into like a team sport thing um, is disturbing. Um, The genocide happening in real time in front of us um, is disturbing. Uh, The genocide of the Palestinian people is disturbing. It's mind boggling that we're in this season where people are being doxxed and threatened and uh, their careers being taken away for saying things like war crimes are bad, that genocide is bad. Even people saying anti-Semitism is bad and war crimes are bad, irrespective of who commits war crimes like seeing those people also be threatened or having their jobs taken away or having their, and their livelihoods taken away um, is scary. Having people, frankly, that I respect in these spaces speak up and only center and amplify one group of people. Um, people who proclaim themselves to be allies and ignore the humanitarian crisis that it's unfolding in front of us. The, 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 it's disturbing. Like it's disturbing, right? So it's like the lack of humanity to actually inflict such oppression and harm on people that people are inflicting upon one another. And also again, the act of genocide that we're watching in real time. And that, that frankly, that even as I say that out loud, there's probably somebody that was going to work with living corporate that isn't anymore because I said, that Palestinians are experiencing a genocide in this moment. Um, The inability for people to denounce terrorism, period, is disturbing. Like, it's just disturbing to me. And, like, so it's it's just the, like I said, it's just the lack of humanity um, that to the images that I've seen I have two small daughters Uh, my youngest just turned one and then and and then to see the lack of humanity from people whose job it is to support and lead people is wild right it's just been disturbing to me and look the whole purpose of living corporate is to center and amplify the most marginalized voices, right? We were doing this in 2018 when people told me I should never create living corporate. We built living corporate in the face of people. Some of them who looked like me, who said, you're going to destroy your career. If you build a platform that's explicitly focused on centering and amplifying black and Brown people. Right. Um, I've had people pull me aside and be upset that I had trans black people and trans brown people on living corporate, right? I've had people offended that I've had first generation Americans on living corporate. I've people, I've had people offended that I've had just queer people on living corporate. Like, so it would be a betrayal of our mission to not have a discussion about the experiences of 
some of the most marginalized people in the world right now. I mean, those are those are Palestinian people. Those are the Palestinian people. Um, and I'm not saying that um, Dr. Ed Hassan is the representative of all Palestinians across the world. But Dr. Ed Hassan is a DEI expert, um, a professor at Georgetown, and um, an author, speaker, and consultant on matters of um, inclusive and equitable leadership, culture, human resources. Um, So he sits at this incredible intersection of lived experience, academic expertise, and corporate wisdom and insight. So I'd be a fool uh, to not have him on Living Corporate. And I'm so thankful and privileged, frankly, that he decided to be on on, uh, on today's show. He asked me to read something. And so I'm going to read this. Um, and then after I read this, the next thing you're going to hear is the conversation I have with Dr. Hassan. And you'll note that I'm choosing my words carefully, aiming to, because I recognize I am not an expert on uh, relations between uh, Palestine and Israel. I am not an expert on the history of the region. Uh, however, I am a black man in America, and I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a part of the African diaspora, um, and so I respect and, and honor and empathize with the reality of oppression around the world Uh, there are people there are groups of people in Africa right now fighting for their livelihoods and humanity as well Um, black people in America are fighting for their livelihoods and humanity and dignity every day and frankly we've been losing for about 400 years but we fight nonetheless every day so in the spirit of the platform and the company that we've built, which is an experiences management company focused on workplace fairness. We're going to have a conversation with Dr. Hassan today about how to lead inclusively during times of global crisis and the very real realities that global crises have on your employees at work. But like I said, Dr. Hassan asked me to read this statement, so we're going to do that now. Statement from the leadership of religion and public life on the current state of violence in Palestine, Israel, from the Harvard Divinity School. Again, religion and public life. This was written on October 11th, 2023. Quote. The Palestinian poet Murid Barghouti writes that if you want to dispossess a people, the simplest way to do it is to tell their story and start with, secondly, start the story with the arrows of the Native Americans and not with the arrival of the British. You have an entirely different story. Start the story with the failure of the African state and not with the colonial creation of the African state. You have an entirely different story. End quote. That was written by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. Danger of a Single Story, Ted Global, July 2009. I will continue to read. 
Start with the rockets fired into Israel by Hamas on October 7th, 2023, and not with the illegal occupation of Palestine, not with the illegal occupation of Palestinian land by Israel, and the blockade of Gaza since 2007, and you have an entirely different story. We are horrified by what by what is unfolding in Palestine, Israel. We recognize the pain, loss, and humanity of Palestinians and Israelis and are in touch with family, friends, and colleagues in the region as we are able. There is still so much that is unknown and unfolding. What we do know is that single-story narratives are dangerous to acknowledge the context out of which this latest spate of violence arises is not to diminish the pain and suffering of Israeli and Palestinian victims. We agree with UN Special Rapporteur on the occupied Palestinian territories, Francesca Albanese, who is, quote, shocked and appalled by the violence unfolding in the region and, quote, horrified by the narrative, by the discourse, because it is possible and necessary to stand both with the Palestinians and the Israelis without resorting to ethical relativism, to selective outrage or worse, calls for violence. End quote. Albanese calls for the international community to be, quote, wise and even-handed, end quote, when confronted with the result of, quote, decades of oppression imposed on the Palestinians, end quote. When these, quote, decades of oppression, end quote, are left out of the story about Hamas, Hamas's horrendous attack on Israeli civilians, a narrative about a, quote, unquote, innocent state of Israel's right to, quote, unquote, defend itself against supposedly, quote, unquote, unprovoked Aggression is legitimized. The reality is much more complex, and that complexity must be confronted if there is any chance to avoid endless cycles of dehumanization, of dehumanization, destruction, and death. In this time of sorrow and pain, may we challenge single-story narratives that justify vengeance and retaliation pathways out of the catastrophic events in Palestine, Israel, and regionally cannot be military ones, but must involve diplomacy, historical accountability, dismantling the structures of violence, and and retraining the political imagination to disrupt exclusionary and ethnocentric conceptions of belonging. May we be mindful of each other at this moment. May we put into practice all we have learned and the values we hold dear as we continue to pursue a just world at peace. Next, you will hear, after this break, my conversation with Dr. Ed Hassan. See you soon. This podcast, Living Corporate, it's brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether you're just starting out or managing a growing brand, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website, engage with the audience, and sell anything from products to content to time, all in one place on your terms. Let me tell you something. Y'all might not know this, but Living Corporate, 
we started our whole journey on Squarespace. My website, ZacharyNunn.com, it's on Squarespace. I can't tell you how much I appreciate its fluid engine, the ability to create world-class templates and design. It's very intuitive, incredible. We have custom merch through our Squarespace. We have an incredible asset library, so I can always mix it up, switch and swap. It's super dope. And the fact that you can host all types of content, video, audio, all types of media, you can put all on your Squarespace. I can't recommend it enough. If you want to learn more about Squarespace, check out squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com backslash corporate to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Again, that's squarespace.com backslash corporate to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Dr. Hassan, welcome to the show. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. How about yourself? You know what? I'm doing okay. Look, I'm going to get right to it because um, I reached out to you after reading a post that you wrote on LinkedIn. And I remember it had um, hundreds of reactions, tons of comments, shares, everything. Frankly, I'm surprised you even like were able to see my, my comments specifically and got back to me so quickly. Uh, but but I want to I want to read it uh, for the sake of the audience and just uh, and really why we're sitting down today. So I'm gonna start. I'm a Palestinian American. In light of recent events, saying that is problematic. In fact, lately I've received countless phone calls from Palestinian colleagues describing the marginalization and bias they face from their bosses and colleagues. Several have shared their fear of speaking up because of how it will fa- how because they will face more alienation or lose their jobs. I too have questioned the impact of my speaking up, specifically on social media. The truth is I am scared. I have a lot to lose. I have family, friends, and employees who rely on me. However, as a DEI advocate, I need to practice what I preach and speak up for all marginalized groups, no matter how difficult the times are. I also need to be able to face my children and fellow Palestinians and let them know that I am trying to do my part. To my fellow DEI colleagues, I hope that you will join me during these difficult times and ensure our Palestinian colleagues' voices are heard. Let them know their feelings, experiences, and opinions matter. Let's give them the empathy, resources, and psychological safety they deserve. To the CEOs of companies, please show courage and give a space, give a safe space to your Palestinian employees. Meet with them and let them know that you will not allow them to be vilified or marginalized. Uplift them and recognize them for their contributions and avoid falling into the trap of championing only one narrative or supporting one side because the reality is that truth isn't binary. To the rest of the world, let's not forget that Palestinians are not a monolithic group. They come from diverse religious backgrounds, including Muslims and Christians. We should appreciate that diversity and eliminate the stereotypes. Let's also avoid debating what is worse, anti-Palestinian or anti-Semitism, because they are both bad. Thank you to my colleagues and friends for encouraging me to speak up, many of whom are Jewish. So I wanted to read that, Dr. Hassan. Um, I wanted to read that because it gripped me. Um, And I think like we're in this season where frankly, like there's just a lot of like, shock value type 
content on LinkedIn where people are just writing stuff to get a reaction or to like really like drop the look. Everyone's looking for like a mic drop moment. Um, it seems to me or a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people are looking for mic drop moments. Um, this rang so raw and honest to me. Um, and I was like, immediately, I was like, man, I really want to, I want to hurry up and get you here to talk more. Um, you shared a lot in that post. I think the most obvious question I have for you is just like, what other emotions are you holding in this moment? I think I'm still in a state of shock uh, and a state of confusion, honestly. Um, and I think, you know, very well within the DEI space, most of us feel like we have a pretty good understanding of what inclusion looks like, what a safe space looks like, uh, how to combat marginalization. And here you are, uh, you have these CEOs that are posting content that only supports one narrative, only provides empathy to one side, when clearly there are two groups that are being impacted here. So it concerns me that these very CEOs that we've worked with and we've advocated, many of whom have said, if I were around during slavery, I would have did my part to stop it. If I were around during uh, the events surrounding the taking of the land from Native Americans, I would have stopped it. The list goes on and on. The same thing goes for the DEI experts and the DEI community. Many of them were silent, not all of them. Uh, many of them did speak up. Many of them did stand up and say, wait a minute, we've seen this movie before. What are we doing? Here it is right now. We are witnessing everything that uh, we've read in history, everything that we wanted to avoid in history. We are living it right now. We are seeing it. And those people who attempted to say, I'm going to stand up for social justice issues within my organizations, they're turning their back on us now. And it's really unfortunate. Yeah, I, I'll say that it's been, it's been disappointing. I think like in a, a wide array of things, like one, to your point, like the lack of um, inclusion in some of the messages I see from like DEI leaders that I have historic, I've historically respected, uh, as well as this desire where folks are having to, they feel the need to center themselves or frankly just message something in a season where they really don't have anything to add and it's like sometimes you saying something is you amplifying somebody else it's not necessarily you presuming to be some expert on a topic that you'd have no real fluency in right and so i've been disappointed um, in a couple ways those two being most notable um you know you have a book focused on um, supporting religious diversity um, and you're an adjunct professor at Georgetown. Like, <laughs> um, like you sit in these spaces and you know what you're talking about. Uh, and frankly, I think you sit in this, you have like this unique position, uh, Dr. Hassan, where you are sitting in the the higher ed space, but then you also do work in corporate context as well. I'm curious as to what your thoughts are on what's happening in the higher ed space for those advocating for an end of occupation of Israel in Palestine, Palestine, like I'm seeing professors advocate that people not hire their students. I'm seeing CEOs like doc. I'm seeing, I am seeing like uh, organizations docs students and, and that they be faced with threats, their jobs, um, their job offers rescinded. Like, what are you seeing in your 
in your sphere um in the higher ed space related to all of this and, and what are your what are your thoughts as you see what it is you're seeing yeah i mean it actually is even worse than what you've described it there's actually a website i'm not going to say the website's name because i don't want to promote it where they actually put individuals that support the palestinian cause uh, and they conflate it with being anti-semitic i want to be very clear uh with my language here being pro-palestinian does not make you anti-Semitic. And being pro-Israeli uh, or Israel does not make you anti-Palestinian. This is not uh, a religious issue either. It's not Muslims versus Jews. It's a political ide ideology of Zionism versus a marginalized group in the Palestinian community. So what you're seeing actually at, in the higher ed space is the same dynamic that you're seeing in media and within our government. You have the top level individuals clearly saying, I stand for one side, but then you do have staff and you do have some faculty and you do have employees that are trying to speak up and let their voice be heard. But when they do that, look at the consequence. You start losing jobs. You start, your face gets plastered on websites. You start getting attacked. You start to be called anti-Semitic and, and racist and so on and so forth. What makes it the most difficult is, it, difficult is you have the president basically saying we are going to essentially focus only on one side of the equation. We're only going to care for one side or one community. The other community doesn't matter. Zach, you know we've heard the story before. We've seen it many times. So the question I always have to the individuals who I work with in higher ed, many of whom said that Donald Trump for example, uh, should uh, face consequences for the January 6 uh, events, right? And, and the things that happen. Well, what should our president currently face now inciting essentially what, what equates to a genocide? It's a problem. But nobody wants to say it. Nobody wants to speak up. Uh, they want to call this a conflict. It's not a conflict, specifically with, with Gaza. It is a genocide. The broader issue is not a war or a conflict either. It is apartheid. Uh, and, you know, I'm hoping that my colleagues within a higher ed and the corporate world will start to just take a step back and educate themselves a little bit and have conversations with their employees. You know, off mic, we discuss uh, the microaggressions of um, that brown, a lot of brown folks face. And I remember I said, I, I said, the thing about it is I remember, um, so I live in Texas and I remember just, if you were not obviously or just visibly uh, black American, if you were any type of Brown after nine 11, I remember I was a kid. It was like, every, there was this pressure where everyone really had to go out of their way to say, Oh, I love America. Like I'm gonna put a flag on my front yard and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that. Like, um, and I didn't appreciate even like, I'm. that's me looking back. Like I was 11, 12 years old. Right. So I didn't really appreciate the gravity and just how, like how high the hysteria and sensitivity and, um, and racism was in that season. I'm curious, like I've heard other people say, Hey, look, like we're, we're back in that space now, but like times thousand. Right. Can we talk about the microaggressions you have witnessed or seen in this particular season? So I would actually put forward that 
it's not about microaggressions. What you are witnessing live is ma is macroaggression, essentially pure hate, pure racism across the board. It is clearly an us versus them mentality, as you know. Uh, Arab, essentially, Palestinians or Arabs have been called um, animals to an extent. So this is pure racism. Um, and I'm sure, uh, Zach, I'm not sure if you actually heard about what happened in Illinois with the murder of the six-year-old boy. I did. Because he was Palestinian. I did. Think about that for a second. We're in 2023. A kid, innocent kid, was murdered because he was Palestinian and he was Muslim. So I would move beyond the microaggressions and, and kind of uh, what we all try to teach about unconscious bias. This is conscious. People are looking people in the eyes and saying, I don't like you. You're bad and you are different and you are an animal, essentially. And that's a problem. You know, in light of um, in light of the and you're right, like I do believe the language we use is important, right? Um, in light of the oppression that Palestinians are experiencing in this moment, um, and that innocent civilians are experiencing across the board, how do you navigate conversations around this topic in a DEI context? Like, I'm curious, like, you again, like looking at your statement, your, your initial statement where I reached out to you, you talked about um, Palestinian colleagues reaching out to you like you talked about um some of your some of your jewish colleagues encouraging you to to speak and, and supporting you privately i'm curious like what is what have these discussions looked like over the past week or so yeah so i, I will say first that for many years there was an unwritten rule that i had to subscribe to uh, to as well basically don't say anything about the challenges the Palestinian people are facing. You will be uh, put in a corner. They will um, put you on this list or you'll lose your job or whatever it is. And here we are many years later, many years after my parents immigrated uh, and seeing these challenges, I'm hearing people now reach out to me and say, I want to speak up, but I don't know how to, or I don't know how to defend myself or let people know how I am feeling. So what I've been coaching them to do mostly is, first of all, take a step back. And if you're looking at it from a DNI lens, explain to them your experience. How do you feel marginalized? Educate them on your story. This does not need to be about an Israel versus Palestinian thing per se. Uh, we can move away from the politics of it and look at the human. Many of the folks in the Palestinian community that live here have experienced uh, being in Israel and and visiting, going through either Jordan or Tel Aviv, and being put in separate lines, essentially, right, and being treated as other. So what I've asked them to do is basically document uh, your concerns very professionally, uh, reach out to your HR person, for example, and say, I would like to have a confidential conversation with you, and I'd like to walk you through how I feel and how I feel left out. And in some cases, how I feel attacked. Hopefully, that conversation with the HR person, because we have, hopefully, we do trust our HR folks, is that it will end up being in a broader conversation with the CEO and then later on with the company. So it's difficult to tell them, and I'm being very honest, 
it's an emotional time, but I don't want them just to come off pure emotion because as you know, they'll get shut down. Just be logical. Say, I'm hurt. I need help. I need support. I'm seeing my people being affected uh, back in Palestine. I would like you to acknowledge that and recognize that. And in many cases, it's worked. In other cases, it hasn't worked so much. And it's unfortunate. Living Corporate is brought to you by Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program. It's incredible. Okay, so first off, you didn't know, Rosetta Stone is a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They have fast language acquisition, meaning you're actually going to pick up the language because it's going to provide an immersive experience for you through their program. Speech recognition gives you a trainer for your accent. Convenient, right? You can use it on your computer. You can use it on your phone. Incredible value. Lifetime membership has all languages for any and all trips or language needs in life. That's lifetime access to 25 language courses Rosetta Stone's offers for 50% off. That's a steal, y'all. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, living corporate listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com backslash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com backslash today, today. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I recall, I recall um, when I worked at a really large, uh, I worked at PwC, when I worked at PwC. um, And I had just gotten back from paternity leave and it just so happened that um, George Floyd was murdered. And it's interesting because like the season before that, um, before my leave, I was told, Hey, you care too much about diversity and inclusion. And we don't think that there's a place for you in this firm. Um, despite the fact that at the time PwC had just launched CEO action, despite the fact that, uh, they had, um, Shannon Schuyler at the time was like their head of DEI was like all out there, just acting like they really care about diversity inclusion. Um, and so anyway, um, George Ford is murdered around the time I'm coming back from leave. And, um, all of a sudden, like we see a lot of focus and priority, but even still, right. I remember appeals to my humanity or appeals to like, Hey, actually I knew George Floyd actually, Hey, George Floyd's murderer lived up the street from my, my father, my family lives in Minnesota. There's all types of stuff happening right now. I need us to do more. I need us to say more. I need us to, and like, there was this belief I had Dr. Hassan that like, um, that leaders would really see my humanity and like honor my requests. And it's heartbreaking um, it was heartbreaking over and over again. I mean, even when I got back, I was subjected to more racist treatment and it was heartbreaking. And like, I would like put myself out there to be like, Hey, this is what's happening to me. Hey, here's what this person did to me. Um, and I just remember being feeling so incredibly let down, um, in those, in that moment, and it was scarring. Obviously I'm bringing it up in this moment, but I say all that to say, like, I really, I'm struggling not to cry right now, thinking about like somebody, anybody, right? <laughs> um, 
for those who are going to probably try to chop this up and say we're saying something we're not anybody going to their executive leader and saying hey i have family over in this country or over in this land and they're in danger and i'm concerned about them and i need you i need you to acknowledge that i need your voice here i need you to honor my humanity and frankly the humanity of like people that look like me and just to be told no or to be rejected for that to be rejected in any type of word salad it's just it's just so abhorrent right and i think like it's so frustrating because then you look up and you really you question why you have a, t- a pipeline problem or a performance problem or a production problem or an efficiency problem or whatever the case and it's like yo like there are people who are impacted by these things um you know, I'm looking to your point, like I'm looking at organizations and I live in corporate is not um, like, and I, I do not profess to be an expert. This is why Dr. Hassan, you're here. This is not a solo podcast about uh, living corporate perspective on the historical occupation of Palestine or like, no, it's not that. My challenge though, the, the one thing I did say around like in the season is like leaders, you need to focus on your people. And like when leaders make a statement about anything and it's only focusing on one group of people, when there's concrete evidence that multiple groups of people are suffering. And it's like, like, did you do any research or analysis on like your own employee set? Like, do you want to retain other employees? Do you want to attract employees from different groups? People remember And so anyway, I'm not trying to rant. I'm just, that's heartbreaking to hear that you're telling me that people went to their leadership and said, hey, I have family in this area and they're experiencing X, Y, and Z, or hey, I don't even know if they're still alive. Like, I need your voice in this manner. And for for them to be told anything other than absolutely. It's just, not only is it just poor, it's poor leadership, but pessimistically, it's just also just poor human capital management. Like, what do you expect to get from these employees if that's what you say to them in this moment? It, it, it's it's even worse than that. In, in some cases, uh, employees are actually told to cover, right? Hide that the fact that you're Palestinian. I wouldn't do this right now. It's not a good time. I wouldn't speak up right now. It's not a good time. Or you got to be careful. I've received the same warnings and 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 opinions from colleagues as well. And you're absolutely right. These CEOs are, again, the most frustrating thing for me here is after all this time within the DEI space and all of the lip service these CEOs provided about building relationships, about understanding marginalized communities, and they're not getting it. They really aren't. They're listening to the media. They're listening to the heads of states. But they're not talking to their employees. They're not hearing their employees' pain in their voices, if you will, and their struggles. They're not even um, taking the opportunity to say, so tell me about your experiences, right? And, and that's a problem. They're just taking, again, whatever's in the news, and they're running with it. Well, you know, to that end, right? So now we're recording this on the 17th of October. You and I connected last week, mm-hmm. Right. Even since we first spoke, when you wrote this, your LinkedIn post, to when we then spoke, I want to say a couple, like a day or two later to now, we're actually seeing like the national, the, the global narrative 
shift and change. Um, to your point, I think leaders are taking a note from these these other powers, like the global and world powers, but like those world powers are taking the note from what they're hearing on the ground. So it's interesting that like executive leaders actually have a bit of a cheat code and could actually be more proactive by listening to their people, but instead are following the leader and then end up actually being last, right? So like, I think my, so I say all that to say, right? Like we're seeing the narrative, like we're seeing, like even the, I saw the BBC yesterday made a statement, then came back and apologized for it being misleading. We're seeing like, we're seeing uh, the president of the United States make up, updating his comments to say, hey, all Palestinians are not Hamas. And, and we're seeing like, we're seeing like more and more, like we're seeing things like shift moment to moment. Like I'm really curious as to where the la larger narrative is going to be in the couple of days when we actually publish this conversation, right? And I typically don't even say when we have conversations because I like content being evergreen and it still is, but I, I like the mystique. But no, I really want to, for the sake of this dialogue, I think it's important to say when we're recording this because we're seeing, we're, we're seeing people, quote unquote, catch up to that end. As we see folks catch, um, as we see the narrative shift and change, what do you anticipate from like DEI leaders and from CEOs? Do you think that there's enough, to, like, do you think there's going to be a, a, a mea culpa or there's some, some sort of, hey, we now that we understand more, now we're going to shift all of our messaging? Do you think people are going to kind of hold fast? Like, I'm curious, like, because I'm sure you're seeing the same things. It's a great question. Well, look, if you look at history, generally speaking, it takes many years, many decades sometimes for them to say, oh, my fault, or I missed that, or I was wrong. So uh, I don't think that's going to be the case now. Um, and again, I want to repeat, if, if you have our president of our country saying in front of everybody, I am a Zionist, sort of rebranding the term Zionist to be a good thing. I mean, if you think about it, he, he could say, I am racist. Is he going to try to rebrand the term racism or racist? It, it just doesn't make sense. So I don't know the answer to your question. I think it's going to take a long time. I do know that uh, the people, if you look at the audience across the world, uh, various countries, the opinion is changing. They're understanding. They are learning. But again, when we talk about power dynamics, it's those heads of states or those high-level government officials or those CEOs that are sort of containing all of this. And it's unfortunate. So, you know, I, I don't want to sound like I don't believe it will change because I do believe it will change. I just don't know how long it'll take. No, I, I appreciate that. You know, um, what resources or strategies, and you've already alluded to a little bit of this already, but do you recommend for educating teams about, about the nuanced experiences of Palestinians and other underrepresented groups especially during times of global crisis or when the spotlight is on like crises that have been prevalent for decades? So as I mentioned earlier, just sit down human to human and have the conversation and, and learn and ask them about their lived experiences and what they've seen. Um, you know, uh, Jay-Z had a famous quote 
uh, politicians never did crap for me except lie to me and distort history. Here we are, we're actually seeing that live. So I would have these individuals stop paying attention to the media, stop paying attention to the politicians, and really humanize the process of getting to know what's going on. Educate yourself. There are many resources. And by the way, Zach, I want to be clear. The Jewish community has been extremely supportive in making it very clear that they do not agree with what's going on uh, with the current genocide in Gaza or the apartheid in the state of Israel. I want to be very clear about that. Uh, great groups like the Jewish Voices for Peace, for example, uh, I have actually shared their information to almost everyone saying, here you go. You can learn a little bit more about if you read from them. Uh, you actually saw at the White House too, right? Where I believe they blocked every entrance. Uh, there was a specific group, I believe from the Jewish community that blocked every entrance of the White House to protest uh, so they can de-escalate what's going on uh, in the Middle East. So read, uh, get out of your echo chamber, right? Stop watching the CNNs and the Fox News, if you will. Uh, listen to Nora Erekrat, for example, or Khaled Beydoun and many others and learn from them. Uh, and hear what they have to say. Uh, again, if, if you want to get rid of this sort of bias and skewed view, you got to look at the other side and you got to have conversations. You know, I feel like so many of my questions, Dr. Hassan, are like about like, okay, well, how do you, how do we navigate or like, how do we have these, but like so much of what I'm hearing is it's literally like prioritizing your people, having conversations and seeing them as human beings and asking them, what it is you can do to service and ser to serve, serve them. Um, right. You know, I don't know. Cause like, so a couple of things, right. I, I sit privileged in a couple of ways. First of all, I don't have an office job. I don't have to go nowhere for my job. Okay. Two. Um, I haven't had to do that for a while, but I am, I am hearing and I'm seeing content posts, from other people about the fact that they're having like that these conversations are coming up in the office about the conflict to your point i have heard from others they've been told hey you need to hide who part of who you are in this season because it's not looking good for that right now so just just tamp that down what are ways that you can show up that you think that leaders could be showing up for palestinian uh colleagues at work and maybe recommendations on calling Congress and urging a ceasefire. Like, what does it look like? Do you, like, what are the actual steps that like, like now we've been talking about these C-suite executive leaders. Um, I'm curious, like, what are the things that like the mid-level kind of like closer to the ground level leaders can do showing up in, in terms of just like water cooler conversations or just in the day-to-day -day navigating of the job? It's what we've been teaching in DEI. Learn to be an ally, learn to advocate, learn to listen. Reach out to your Congress, write them, tell them this needs to stop. Uh, reach out to your colleagues and let them know that you're with them and you're going to stand by them. Um, let them know and remind them that there can be two wrongs, right? And there can be uh, many issues that they have to understand and sort of learn and navigate. The biggest thing really is just be an ally. And I'm being repetitive on purpose because 
Uh, I think you know this, Zach. Ally, 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 or allyship is all over LinkedIn. Here we go. Where are the allies, right? This is it. This is the time to show up. Uh, and this is the time essentially to put your money where your mouth is, right? And th that's really what we need here. Hey, friends, you know what I don't miss at all? That vicious week before the period. Feeling like I'm ready to crawl out of my skin, irritated by everything and everyone around me. Bouncing between cravings for salty foods and sweets and back again. Now it's easier to manage PMS with EstroControl from Happy Mama. EstroControl contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like the chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a menstruating person's life. And the biggest benefit? Feeling like myself again. That's what people mention over and over in their reviews. And there are over 17,000 reviews for Happy Mammoth products, including EstroControl. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code CORP, C-O-R-P, at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code C-O-R-P for 15% off today. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You know, Living Corporate, we've been talking about the concept of allyship probably since we started in 2018. And, you know, all the time, and I'll, I've explained this to so many people, right? Like, as a DEI consultant, as like, as a head of DEI, as like as a DEI executive, and then also like as your CEO of Living Corporate, it's like, look, allyship is not like just when it's cute and re re reposting and liking content online or, you know, pulling someone aside in private and giving them a pick-me-up. It's risking something. It's putting something on the line, right? And now there are people out there who make whole careers and make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year for... um uh <laughs> What they call allyship is just like very basic, like the bar is in hell, basically. Like, it's just like very, not asking you to do really much of anything. You call it allyship. Allyship for me, right? As someone who is a black man, a young-ish black man in America is not pit pithy. Allyship is a real word and it's real actions and it's real sacrifice. And it means giving of oneself to support somebody else. It's leveraging the privilege and access you have to support other people. And I think like, it's so interesting. Like, I, I think like the, the DEI space, if someone wanted to come and be like an anti-DEI person, would be like, hey, this is all a sham. This is all smoke and mirrors. Like you can look at these moments and say like, hey, how real is this, is DEI really? If in this moment where it's really about standing up and supporting other uh, individuals, it's really about putting your, your your name out there, putting your your livelihood on the line, putting yourself on the line. If you're not, then how how authentic and how effective has the DEI work really been? How not and not to say anything about the people who are really out here trying, which is like these corporatized DEI efforts, they start to ring even more hollow than they did before in times of actual crises where you have hundreds of thousands of employees around the nation who either are represented by certain groups and or have family members or loved ones in groups and who are just feeling dehumanized, ignored, and like genuinely scared. Right. Like that is like, it's just tough. It's tough. Like, I mean, I, I say all that to say, when you look at DEI, 
like and I, and I know I'm asking you this and now of course you're a professor at Georgetown I respect that also you have your own firm your own consulting firm like do you see DEI really being like a sustainable space like in a way that really promotes or met or accelerates real change in the next five years or like do you see this being more ornamental like I'm really curious about like has this has this shaken or challenged your view on this space you know, there there is a, a a joke among some of my colleagues where there there's D E and I, the letter D E and I, and below it there's a tagline, except for Palestinians, right? And mm. and, and I think uh, that that's a major challenge, and that's what we're seeing and sort of feeling. You know, I, I hope so. I, I believe I look like you, for example, and you and I have actually a lot of mutual colleagues who are out there. And uh, they are advocating, they are focusing on social justice, and uh, they are sharing their lived experiences, and, and they're supporting people of all backgrounds, not just one, right, because it's convenient for them. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's because of that small circle of friends and colleagues that I do have that did reach out, that did stick up uh, for me, both publicly and privately. Um, I have hope. I really do. Uh, I will tell you, there were some cases, Zach, where... A DNI colleague of mine would post something basically one-sided and and against Palestinians, but message me privately. By the way, uh, you know I'm with you and your family. I'm I, I give you prayers and so on and so forth. I'm like, come on, what is this here? You are an ally, you are an advocate, or you're not, right? And and it's a it's a big issue, and it's very confusing. I mean, it, you know, uh, you start to look around and say, wait a minute. You know, we're supposed to be supporting each other. We're supposed to be helping each other. And I'm really worried, Zach, about, and this is my focus with the DNI space, are the employees within the U.S., uh, all employees that are being marginalized, right? In this case, Palestinians are just being put in a corner and mistreated, and, and that's a major problem. I don't think, like, as that happens, where someone would write something publicly one way, and then write something privately to me. Oh, um, I, I can give you another example where somebody posted, I won't say which social media site it was. Um, we should just basically get rid of all Palestinians. So I sent that person a message that I've known for 15 years. So you want to get rid of me? Oh, I didn't realize. No, you didn't realize because you didn't educate yourself. You didn't have conversations. But here's the thing, Zach, and you know this. I can't call angry. I can't call. No, nah, no, nah, you can't. Because I'm the angry Arab at that point, right? Or I'm the angry Muslim at that point or the angry Palestinian or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. So what I really do, what I've done is what I've been teaching folks that I work with. Let's let's take a step back. Let's have conversations human to human. You don't have to agree with me. You can say, I don't care what you have to say, Ed. Shut up. That's my view. But at least I did my part to try to educate you uh, and and try to build that relationship with you so you're able to see all sides not just one side Ooh. Mm -mm -mm. yeah i i'm just so i'm just so flabbergasted like genuinely like if i know somebody that long and see them right um we've been talking about over and over i mean honestly i think the key themes in this conversation have really been humanity allyship um and and it's and 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 accountability as well. Um, I think before I let you go, 
Go ahead, Dr. Hassan. Go ahead. Uh, I, I was going to say, I, I don't know if you watch football. Uh, I do. Not. You, you live, live in Texas. Hopefully, you're not a Cowboy fan. I'm not. Yeah, but if if, if you watched the uh, right before the game started, they did a moment of silence, and they did that throughout the weekend, and it was purely for the victims uh, in Israel, uh, which is absolutely okay. We should mourn that their loss, but again, they left out the Palestinians. The innocent Palestinian children, women, and men who have been impacted here, and they're being left out. Um, so th this is pervasive. It's across the board. And I think we really have to ask ourselves, is it that bad to say that I feel for the Palestinians? Is it that bad to say that I don't want anybody that's innocent in, within the Palestinian community to be hurt? Why is that so hard for corporate America to say? I just don't understand it. And maybe you can help me with that because I really don't get it. Well, you know what? This is this is this is my company, okay? Living Corporate is my podcast network. So I'm gonna say a few things. I'm not gonna say everything on my mind, but I'm gonna say a few things. I think part of the re reality is is that pessimistically, it is the prudent financial decision to support organizations, institutions, countries, territories, et cetera, that are backed by the United States government. So like if the U.S. has been funding um, Israel um, for decades, then, and the U.S., and to your point, Biden, our president has come out and loudly said he is a Zionist, proudly, and he said it several times over his political career. Um, if all of the state talking heads are talking about that, if economically a lot of your business goes through Israel or 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 in some capacity is working in coordination with Israel, then it makes it's prudent. It's prudent. Uh, it makes sense to. Um, to 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 isolate and only acknowledge the humanity of uh citizens of Israel. I think the other the other reality is is that when you think about the NFL who has contracts who has military contracts like who works with the military to promote um and provide pipeline to the uh to uh, to the military military industrial complex that it also makes sense for the for the NFL and and who the military because we have we do we are in direct relationship with israel it makes sense for the nfl with in, in light of that relationship financially to support israel um like you asked me a question so like i that said it's just as i say it out loud it just feels really gross and it's really sad and very depressing that like our humanity um the, uh, the, the extent within which we by which the extent with, within, within which we we acknowledge the humanity of others is directly related to um to money um and that's sad and we've seen that before right so you think about like i'll go back again to george so george floyd was murdered on camera um and there was like this global thing and so like organizations saw oh okay this is financially prudent for us to like support this moment right now but like a few months later a man's head was blown off on camera 
by police. And like we did not see marches. Like we've like there have been several other like recorded murders of black and brown people. Like on like on it was all on Twitter, right? And like no one like well, it wasn't politically expedient at the time to support those black people who died. And in fact, like despite all of the calls for like police referendum, we've seen police funding nationally go up a ton since then, right? So like I think you you asked me a question about like why is that or like why is it so hard? And I think it's because everyone is so greedy, Dr. Hassan, to like maintain power structures to make money to protect their money um that humanity has to take a back seat to that and we pick and choose when to play the humanity card when it is financial when when institutions find it financially prudent either in the short or long run i think the other thing which is so interesting is that like you have organizations and institutions of people that are anti-semitic that like they're anti people who are who have been like, who are loudly anti-Semitic suddenly in this moment, like championing Israel in a way that isn't even in line like with. And so like, I've I've talked to some of my friends who have conservative circles, who frankly, who have come out of racist circles, who say things like, man, it's so interesting, like people watching people trying to figure out like, am I going to be anti-Semitic or am I going to be Islamophobic or am I going to be anti-Palestinian? Like, like which what what point what what hatred am I going to like choose in this season? I don't know, right? I've been thinking about it now for a while of just like, and I'm just it's it's just very it's like really sad um to see. And this goes really frankly into like where and why I think that like a diversity equity inclusion as like a corporate function just isn't really sustainable. Because it just, it is, it's too, um, it just, it does not, um, it doesn't square with capitalism and imperialism. Because DEI is really all about like real just, like organizational justice and equity and fair. It, like, let's just take all those big words out, fairness. Is it fair? Right? Yo, like what's happening right now is not, fair right like hey there are innocent people dying and we're only acknowledging one group of innocent people dying that's not fair if we sit back and we say hey hey like these children like these children in these hospitals like they're dying and then you reply to me we reply back to me with propaganda that has been deemed as propaganda at this point that's not fair so it's like it's challenging right like um, it's just challenging, Dr. Hassan. I mean, like, that's honestly why I had you on is because, you know, you have the expertise, the lived experience. I mean, I think I, I do want to ask one more question because um, we talked about it off mic and if you don't want to engage here, that's fine. You have family that lives in Palestine, that, that are Pal you have, you're a Palestinian and you have family in Palestine, correct? Right. And then like, have you, have you been able to be in contact with them over the last couple of weeks? Yes. What has that been like for you? Like as someone living in the States, you're seeing what's happening on the news. I'm sure you're, if you're in contact, you're in communication with them. Like, what has that been like? I mean, is it, does that, does that ever leave your mind? Like their safety or like kind of what's going on? Yeah. And I'll take it away from my family because obviously after this is, this publishes, you know, 
fair. people could be impacted, right? Fair. But I'll tell you, um, uh, on the West Bank side, people are being kidnapped. Little boys are being kidnapped. They're being they're being shot. They're being shot uh, at funerals where they're mourning their friends. It's a very bad situation. And again, it is purely uh, apartheid. There is no other word for this. When you look at it globally, what's happening with the Palestinian community, um, and it's you know it's heartbreaking. You feel helpless. We literally cannot do anything other than have these conversations, write our congressmen, and have and hopefully they will change. That's the only thing we can do, right? And we have to use our platforms to do that to the best of our ability. So it's di- it's just difficult. It's hard. Yeah, you know, um, there's this thing a lot of people do that I'm not going to ask you to do is like, can you give us some hope? Can you tell us something that we can be hopeful for? I'm not going to do that only because I don't think that's your job. Like that's not your job. Also, that'd be like incredibly selfish um, for me to ask that of you in this season, in this moment. And I sure as hell will be giving people no hope when they ask me about stuff that I'm like intimately familiar with. I don't have that for you. Um, But I I, want to help you out there though. Give it to me. As a Palestinian, we're resilient. You know, there there is this famous quote. I don't know if it's an accurate quote. So anybody who's going to take this information and and parse it up, uh, there's there's an old quote from somebody that apparently was Zionist that said, "The old will die, and the young will forget." Well, here we are. I remember. I'm learning. I learned from my parents. My kids are learning from me. We do have hope. We do have hope of freedom. We do have hope one day where we can just go to Palestine. And without being harassed or treated as other or hurt or beat up or whatever it may be. So we do believe it. We do believe that we will achieve that one day. Um, if you'll you notice, even in Gaza, when they were told to, to move, uh, move south, I believe it was, you had people that said, absolutely not. We're going to stay here. We're going to keep fighting. And when I say fighting, I don't mean from a military perspective, fighting the impact and the pain that they're going through, Right. So we do have hope. We do have a resilience. We just don't know when it's going to happen. Uh, but just understand, we do believe that one day we will have the opportunity to be free. Dr. Hassan, you know, it's been a pleasure having you on. Um, I am I'm honored. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for your voice. Thank you for your work. Um, in the spirit of over-communicating, if you could give DEI colleagues, your DEI colleagues, as well as senior leaders, um, three points of advice um, as to what they should be doing and navigating in this moment, what would they be? Hmm, that's a good question. I would first tell them as far as, as an action to, to move away from this sort of false, false equivalence, right? For example, as I mentioned before, being pro-Palestinian means you're anti-Semitic, right? Uh, And also move away from the narrative that all Jewish people or everybody in the Jewish community are against Palestinians or want to see Palestinians harmed. That's completely false. So I would remember those points specifically. The next thing I would say is get out of your chair and you know, if you're doing it via Zoom, it is what it is, but get out of your chair and go have the conversation. 
We as DEI folks in the community have been telling you this. We've been talking about this for years, where we have to have safe spaces, where there's psychological safety to have these conversations and to be open and honest without fear of retribution, without fear of losing my job. I should be able to say, I am pro-Palestinian. I am hurt. I'm in pain. I need your support. That I should not be punished for that. So I'm going to ask my DEI colleagues, please step up and be an ally. Be an ally for everybody, right? Both the Palestinians and folks in the Jewish community. I have nothing more special to say than I, I just plead with our colleagues. Now's the time. This is it right here. Right now is the time to step up. Dr. Hassan, it's been a it's been a pleasure and an honor. Um, I'm excited about us keeping in communication. You're a friend of the show. I can't wait to have you on again. Um, hopefully, um, in and I receive your 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 message of uh, that the Palestinian people are resilient. I receive that this is not the end, um, but I still look forward to having you on. Um, where maybe we crack a few more jokes, maybe we talk about another book that you're writing or your research. Um, and uh, I just appreciate you, man. Thank you for so thank you so much for your time. Well, it's your turn to write a book, Zach. Sorry, I, I'm all out. You know, it's crazy. All these DEI people trying to write books. You know what I'm saying? Like. Some of y'all do better reading a few more than you write, but I don't know. When I feel like I have something really poignant to add to the to this conversation, then I'll do that. But if it's if it's not going to be anything that's really substantive, I don't see it, Doctor Hassan. You know what I'm talking about. Though. You read a lot. You see a lot of people write these books. Like, what are you writing about, man? Come on. And who wrote this? You didn't write this. You know what I'm saying? Don't get me started. Yeah, I'll tell you the quick story uh, why I wrote the book. My hmm. my dissertation at USC, University of Southern California. Uh, fight on for those folks who, who went there. <laughs> uh, my, my, I evaluated workplace religious discrimination against Muslim women who wear the headscarf or the hijab. Mm. Uh, and that was my whole study. That was my whole focus. But during that journey, I learned about folks of other beliefs, other backgrounds, and other religions, and the pain that they were going through. So I felt like I had to give all the stories that I heard internationally within the States about different uh, religions, not just the Muslim religion or, or specifically the headscarf. So I'm pretty sure there was something that will uh, inspire you uh, to, to write something. So I'll, I'll be the first to buy it. Amen. All right. I'm gonna hold you to that. Dr. Hassan, we will talk to you soon, man. Peace. And we are back. I want to thank Dr. Hassan. I want to thank the entire Living Corporate team. And I want to thank um, my Jewish and Middle Eastern Muslim friends, uh, the loved ones in my life who uh, I'm praying I want to thank the fact that you, the listener, are here. And I want us to recognize and understand that this season is depressing. And the kindness that we share with one another cannot be limited to who 
we ally ourselves with geopolitically it cannot be uh, limited by the support we get financially or financial security in general it cannot be limited by the God we claim to serve And certainly, your leadership should extend to every person in your organization. And I would hope that if you haven't already posted an update message, when you've had your first message, only calling out one group of people and empathizing and humanizing one group of people, I hope that if you haven't already made an update to that message, that you've done so by now. Black and brown folks matter. And not just the brown folks that Black and brown folks matter. And not not just the ones you you choose to matter at one point in time. They all matter. And you have brown employees. You have Palestinian employees right next to your Israeli and Jewish employees that are struggling, that are missing family members, that have lost their family members. And I would hope that your humanity and your leadership would count for them too. And if it don't, well, own that out front then and let them go on about their careers. And when they decide to give you a terrible review on Glassdoor and they tell everybody that you're a terrible person and a terrible leader and that you don't care about, don't clutch your pearls then, okay? Own the fact that your leadership and your recognition of humanity goes only so far, right? But don't play the middle now. Don't play the middle. Frankly, you, leader, executive leader, you owe it to yourself to have a good understanding of like the globe and like global conflict at large, right? You do because the world is getting increasingly more connected because of technology. And so you probably have employees that are impacted by a bunch of different uh, Western interests, families that have been lost. Like if you ask some of your international employees, like just what they're dealing with, you might be disturbed to know what you've actually been glossing over or just been ignorant of. You owe it to yourself to learn. And I hope you learn. I do. I love y'all, man. Take care. Be gentle with yourselves. Be gentle with each other. Till next time, this has been Zach Living Corporate. Peace.
Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.